and welcome to the Habits and Home Show Holiday Edition. I'm your host, Lisa Lazat, and I'm a professional organizer who helps busy moms bring order to their homes by downsizing and decluttering and ditching old habits in exchange for systems that bring peace and more enjoyment to their homes. On these special holiday edition episodes, I'm sharing with you how to make your holidays more memorable without accumulating more stuff, how to be better prepared for your holiday celebrations, and how to create a more peaceful atmosphere in your home with simple systems and simple solutions. Let this year be different than it's ever been before. Let yourself enjoy it more without obligation and headache. It's a gift you can give yourself this holiday season. It's No Fluff Friday, the day I give you a straightforward, do it right now tip or task that can impact your motherhood, your marriage, or your home maintenance. And today we are decluttering kid toys. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) Don't worry, kids. I promise you are going to feel so much better when you and your mom declutter your bedroom and purge all the toys that are just creating a lot of clutter in your bedroom. You're going to feel so much better with free space to be able to breathe and have less visual clutter in your bedroom, and it's just going to provide a so much more of a peaceful atmosphere for you when you go to sleep at night or when you feel like being creative. And if moms, if you're listening to this podcast episode without your child, go grab them really quick and have them listen to this episode with you because it's like having a professional organizer come into your home and work one-on-one with your child by letting them listen to this episode and learn right alongside of you. Let me be your child's teacher and to help coach them through this decluttering process because I'm going to share with both of you some really good tips and strategies for working through this difficult time of decluttering kid toys because as you know, kids tend to accumulate a lot of stuff because people love our kids and they want to give gifts to our kids. People love giving gifts, especially when you just have a baby and they think that they have to have everything that their child had plus everything that they had as a child. It just becomes, it just can get a lot out of hand after a while because those people that give those gifts to your children, they aren't living in your home on a daily basis. And they're not having to manage all of the toys that you and your child are having to manage. And children don't know any different than what you raise them up and train them to have. If you raise a child up thinking or raise them up with a lot of toys, then they are going to repeat that cycle when they have children. They're going to just lavish a lot of toys on them and think that their children have to have a lot of toys, which is not the case. If you've seen children, when they get a lot of stuff, they really don't pay attention to hardly any of it. I know when my children get a lot of things, they feel overwhelmed and then they end up ignoring their stuff because it's it's just too much to even focus on or to know what to do first. 
and they end up just playing with rocks or sticks outside or making trails. And that is really what childhood is about, is giving, is granting your children space to be able to be creative and not providing them with entertainment all of the time. We think that if our children are talking to us or if they're loud or if they're noisy, that they're bored or they need something to do. No, that's a, pro- a part of growing up. They need to be around us. They need to hear adult conversation. They need to see mom cooking in the kitchen and not be off in another room being distracted by electronics and numerous toys. So it's really good to have children a part of your everyday life. That being said, children don't need to have a lot of things or toys to entertain them or to help them grow and develop. It is really, really good to provide a space for children to be creative. And the only way that children tend to be creative is when they are bored. And when they're bored, they tend to entertain themselves and they do it by creating avenues of entertainment for themselves. And if you never allow your child to be bored and you're always constantly over entertaining them with new things and shiny objects, then they're never going to create their, they're never going to use their imagination and they're never going to be able to be creative and learn problem solving skills that they need as adults. So that being said, I'm going to step off my soapbox a little bit because that's just my, that's just what I've learned. I've had to learn as a parent that my children just do so much better when they have little, when they have less to manage, when they have less to ignore, when they have more wider blank spaces to be able to think and to explore and just kind of like the open-ended play where you give them something and they turn it into something else instead of what that toy was designed to do. Like let them use their imagination sometimes. So that being said, you could probably look around your house if you have children, if you have multiple children, or even sometimes having one child. Having one child, they tend to get a lot more stuff because... There's only one kid to manage in your home, and so it doesn't feel as cluttered, and it doesn't feel as, I don't know, like claustrophobic when there's a lot of other children. So having one child, you're like, oh, I'll just give them a lot more toys. Well, no, they don't need that. So anyway, take a healthy look around your house and see if there's things that you and your child can work through and purge. I know that probably sounds very overwhelming and you are digging your heels in the sand and your child is fighting you and they're like, no, I don't want to do it. But there has to be a time when you say, "Uh, this is not working for us. Enough is enough. You're just collecting. You're not really playing. And if you're playing, you can't possibly give attention to all the things that you have. So it's really good to to take a time to declutter. Now, I'm going to share with you the full decluttering process. Now, you could declutter along and along, taking toys away one at a time over a long period of time. That is completely fine to do it that way. There is no right or wrong way to declutter or to be to, to minimize the amount of toys that your child has. So just decide 
how you want to approach decluttering and minimizing the amount of stuff that your child owns and that your child has to manage. If you decide to go this route, I'm going to share with you the full process of what it would look like if I worked with your child and you at your home in a decluttering organizing session. So that's what I'm going to share with you right now. Now, I'm not saying that this is the only way, but I'm saying this is how it would be if somebody was coming into the home and working with your child in one sitting. So it's going to be three different steps, and it's going to be super easy for you and your child to work through together. So step number one is foundational. And I always lay a foundation when you start decluttering. First of all, you have to prepare your mind. Okay, so number one in step one is know what your goals are. If you have no idea of where you want to be, you're not going to know the steps to get you to where you to get you to that point. So know what your goal is. Maybe you've seen some pictures on Pinterest, or you just want to give your child the number of toys that he can effectively manage on a daily basis. When I say effectively manage, it means your child has played in his room for an hour and now he can easily go and return all of his toys back to where they're supposed to be without you intervening, depending on your child's age. Now, I think any age should be able to do this. If your one-year-old has a minimal amount of toys, he should have just enough that he can effectively manage by himself. Because if not, then you are the one that's responsible for all of that. And I don't really think that, first of all, us mothers need to take on more responsibility than we already have. But then also you're training your child to be able to learn how much he is capable of managing from a very early age. And in hopes of teaching him valuable skills to where he doesn't hoard items later in life. If he learns these skills of management early on, he's going to know what it's like to be clean. He's going to know what it's like to be an organized person. He's going to know the value of items and how items play a role in his life and what purposes that they serve and how every item should be valued and it should be cared for and taken care of. And if it's not, then it has no use in our homes and it should be let go. So you're teaching your kids very real and valuable skills as humans that are going to lead into adulthood. So definitely evaluate what your goals are for your child. My main goal is to only have enough that my kids can effectively manage on a regular basis. So know your know what your goal is. What start with the end in mind. What is your vision for your child's bedroom? What is your vision for your child's space? All right. Um, number two in step number one for preparing for the task is to set a time, a designate a time to declutter your child's space. Now, like I said before, you can either do this along and along, a little by little at a time. Or you can just say, okay, we need a great overhaul and designate a time and put it on the calendar and talk about your child and kind of prepare your child to for this event and kind of like get them ready for what they're going to do. Say, oh, we're going to transform your bedroom and make it really fun and exciting. And uh, along with that, set up some accountability. 
the thing I see the most with my clients and with my listeners who listen to the podcast and anyone who follows me on social media is the accountability aspect. They hear all the tips and all the tricks and they hear the steps and the guidance and everything, but it's the putting it into to action and the accountability that they need. Now, I'm going to share, wait till the end of this episode because I'm going to share something awesome that I'm putting together for my listeners of the podcast that is going to be coming in 2022. I'm so excited to announce this, but it, and it's going to help you with accountability and follow through. All right, so how you can do accountability on your own is in, involve somebody outside of your home who isn't attached to the items that are in your home. So for instance, say, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't pick a grandparent because typically the grandparents are the ones that want to give your child all of the things. So if you tell grandma or Nana that you are cleaning out your child's bedroom of all the toys, then she's going to get involved. She's going to become really sentimental and she's going to have her input and you don't need that. So find somebody who is stronger than you in this area and let them know what your plan is, what your goal is. Take some before pictures, send it to that person, and then tell them, you know, this is going to be my start time, this is going to be my my end time, so that you can have that accountability and that check-in so that you can follow through with this process. Also, involve your child in picking who this person is. So I went and decluttered for a client, her son's bedroom, And she uses me as the person that is going to check in with her child and see how his bedroom is doing. So she will text me every once in a while and send me a picture of her son's bedroom. And I will respond and I'll send a voice message and say, good job, Dawson. You're doing so good. Keeping your bedroom clean and organized. And so she uses me as that person to say, you better go clean your room. Miss Lisa wants to see a picture. And so find that person that could be that accountability partner for you. All right. Number three and step number one is decide if you're going to even include your child or not in this process. So I feel like the golden age of including your child in this process is around five to seven years old, depending on their maturity and their personality. My daughter, I probably couldn't have included her in this process until she was about six or seven. Um, Now my boys are a little less sentimental about their items and I probably could have included them when they were really little. So I think before the age of five, you can probably get away with purging your child's bedroom without him being there. But I think after five, maybe six and seven, I would definitely include your child if you can. And because it's like I said in the beginning, these are very vital skills, life skills that you're teaching your child. And the first time around, it's not going to be pretty. I mean, the second and third time around, it's not going to be pretty either. But, and you might end up keeping the majority of the things that your child owns the first time around, but getting them in this mentality and in this this thought process of getting rid of things that they no longer need, play with, or that are purposeful in their life, you are training them for when the next time you do this, it goes a lot smoother. So I say around that age group, 
five, six, seven to include your child in this process. Um, okay, so those are the first three st- three points in step number one to prepare yourself for the task of decluttering your kids' toys. Step number two is going to be follow through and execute. All right, so I have some steps for you to do this. First of all, like I always say in any situation where you're decluttering is to clear off a workspace in the room. And in your child's bedroom, I think that the best place to do this is on the floor by laying out a sheet, like a a bed sheet, like a fat flat sheet on the floor to designate a a certain space where the toys are going to be collected and then sorted through. Now, if your child's bedroom is too cluttered for you to lay out a sheet on the floor, then I would create this workspace in your living room. Make sure that there's no other clutter around so that whatever is collected on that sheet is the only items that you're having to work through. I think it's really, really important for you to start with a cleared off space. Um, Using this sheet idea or this blanket, if you don't have a sheet, you can use a blanket. It's a really important part of this process because that designated area, it's like a starting, starting line and a finishing line. You have to have that entire sheet completely cleared off, all the items put where they're supposed to go for that the bedroom to be completely finished. Okay, so I hope that makes sense designate a clear, cleared off space. Now, when I tell you how to clear off like your, your, your junk drawers or your drawers in your kitchen, I always say clear off your counter, completely clear off your counter. Um, when I say do your closet, your bedroom closet, you can use your bed, completely clear off your bed. So it's really important that you start with a cleared off space, a workspace for you to be able to collect your items and then sort through your items. All right, point number two in underneath the step two for executing is that once you have that designated area with your sheet, you're going to start in one section of their bedroom. I always try to like start by the door and because if you, if you start out and you go in, you're giving yourself more room to move around. And what you're going to do is either start on the right side or the left side, and you're going to make your way all around the bedroom and you're going to collect just the toys. We are just decluttering toys in the bedroom right now. We are not doing all the other things. Now, if you come across trash, like paper trash or candy trash or wrappers or anything, of course, throw those things away. But in this episode, I'm only focusing on the toys. Now, if you want to take it a little bit further and do the entire bedroom, that's completely up to you and your child. All right, so once you start in a particular area, I want you to take all of those toys out of that area and bring it to your workspace. Your workspace is either in your the child's bedroom or in the living room. And I don't want you to think, well, I'm making more work for myself by removing the items out of the bedroom. It is really, really important to go through this process. So you gather up all of the toys to this one area So you can see the enormity of how much your child actually owns and is responsible for. Sometimes we have toys spread out through the entire house and we don't realize how much our child actually has. So bringing all the toys into this one space, into this one workspace on this sheet is going to open your eyes to how much your child has, also how much 
it's going to open your child's eyes up to how much he has or she has. And it's going to really, it just the, the, the mentality of it, you're just going to see it. It's going to be very alarming and it might overwhelm you of how much your child has. And you can, you know, see if they're actually thankful for these things, that they actually pay attention to them, if they're grateful and if they have, you know, appreciation for, for all of these items. And it's also going to help you change or revamp your goal of how much you actually want your child to have. So it's really important for you to work around your that your child's room from one starting at one point and working your way around, whether in a clockwise or counterclockwise fashion, and pulling all of the toy items to that workspace. After you've gathered up all of the toys throughout the entire house, you're going to begin sorting through them. That's when the entire pile of toys is there. Nothing else is in any other room of the house. Nothing in the car or in a child's backpack or in mom and dad's bedroom or in another child's bedroom. That's when you have your entire large pile of toys and you and your child or you by yourself are going to work through these 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 toys and you're going to sort them in three different piles. It's always three different piles. You have a trash pile, which you can just have a trash bag. I like to use a black trash bag for this case. In this case, so it's designated for trash. It's going into the trash can. Um, and then the second pile is going to be your treasure pile. These are going to be items that are treasured. So any item that you're keeping is, I mean, think of it in that way. I treasure this. I treasure this. I treasure this. Can your child really say that about their things? And then the third pile is going to be your transfer pile. And that's going to be the things that are going to be transferred or donated. So let's go through those different piles that you're going to create more in depth. Okay, so your trash piles, these are going to be toys that are broken, that are missing pieces, and they need to go straight into the trash. You won't want to donate anything that you wouldn't buy for your child yourself. So if if a toy is going to be donated to a secondhand store or a place of donation, Think of that item on the shelf. Is this something that somebody's going to want to buy? If it's not nothing that you would buy yourself, then do not put it in the donation pile. Because when when junk is dropped off at the places of donation, those people are having to sort through the, the trash and the treasures already. And so that just takes a lot off of them for from having to sort through your junk toys. So if it's nothing that you would buy yourself or repurchase yourself, then definitely do not put it in the donation pile and put it directly into the trash. The second pile is going to be the treasure pile. Now I'm going to go in depth a little bit more on this as well. So you know, if you're at this point where you're listening to this episode and you are being prompted to declutter your child's toys, you know that it's gotten so far that it's fresh caused you frustration. So be super selective in deciding what toys are staying. You know what your child, now if you're doing this by yourself, you know what your child loves and what he actually plays with. Keep those things. Keep those things that he loves and he plays with. And don't hang on to things because of your own sentimentality. Unless you, it's something that you're prepared to be responsible for, and for its management. Anything that you keep because you're sentimental to it, like 
their baby toys, that's something that you're going to have to decide what to do with it. Are you going to put it in the baby box? Now, I do have some of my kids' baby things in their sentimental box. Now, it's a designated box. And if not, it once it gets filled up, anything that I have that I want to add to it, I can't add to it because I've I've limited myself to just that one memory box. So if you decide to hang on to things because you're super sentimental to them, but your child no longer plays with it, then ask yourself, what are you going to do with it? Are you going to hold on to it for, are you going to hold on to it for 20 years until you have grandkids? That's, that's kind of, kind of crazy. <laughs> I'm not going to say that's kind of crazy. I know a lot of people who do that and it ge- it brings them joy to see their children playing with their children's toys. But just keep in mind that you're going to have to either store that in some place where you don't have to move it around a million times because that's what we end up doing. We, we keep things because we're sentimental and attached to them and we end up managing them for 20 years just so our grandchildren can play with them for what, you know, a couple of times and then they outgrow them. <laughs> You know, so really think through these things. Is it going to be easier for you to ditch it now or is it going to be harder? Is it going to be harder for you to ditch it now or is it going to be harder for you to ditch it after you've held on to it for 20 years? It's going to be a lot harder the longer that you hold on to it. So go ahead and rip the bandaid off and get rid of the toys that you're more sentimental to and your child is not very sentimental to them. Okay. So if your if your child is sorting through his toys with you and she wants to get rid of something but you don't want to get rid of it, then this is what I recommend doing. Okay? So the child wants to get rid of something but you don't want to get rid of it yet because you're feeling sentimental to it. Let your child still go through the process of letting go of that toy. It's so important that you don't interject and push your feelings on to what your child wants to get rid of. As a professional organizer, if I find value in something and my client wants to get rid of it, I will ask them a couple of questions, but at the, at the end of the day, not the end of the day, but right then, I let them go ahead and get rid of that item. Even if I feel like that item has a lot of value or could be valuable to that person. So if you find yourself in that position and you want to hold on to something that your child wants to get rid of, let your child go through that process of letting go and remove that toy from her bedroom. And then if you want to hold on to it, you're making the decision to then possess that item. And you're going to take the item out of her donation bag and you need to store that item or hide that item to where she she can't see it. Because you really have to help facilitate this process for her going through this this letting go and this shedding off of things that she no longer needs okay so really be selective in what you keep okay now this is going to this is not a one and done process you are going to declutter multiple times throughout your your child's adolescence so there are going to be opportunities where you can revisit items and and purge them later on. Okay, so on the flip side, if you if your child wants to hold on to something and you want her to let it go, remember, she's a part of the process, she gets to make decisions. 
put yourself in her position if somebody was making you get rid of something that you wanted to hold on to. She is a human. She is a person. She is autonomous in her own self. So allow her to make the decision what she wants to hold on to. Because what you're going to do is you're going to, she's, she's, you are going to gain her respect by agreeing with her and giving her the permission to make decisions for her her things and the next time that you want to declutter she's going to be more excited and more willing to do it because she knows that she's going to be respected so try to hold back your feelings of you know don't don't put her down or don't make her feel silly or stupid for holding on to an item or saying that's babyish if she wants to hold on to something, let her hold on to it. Now, what you could do is create a maybe pile and you could say, okay, well, let's put this in the maybe. And then after she has touched all of her toys, because this is what happens with my clients. We get started and they want to hold on to everything at first. But then after they've touched a thousand or thousands of items, they get tired and they get overwhelmed by all they they see the enormity of how much they own and then they start purging and letting go because they're like I'm done I don't want all of this so maybe put things in a maybe or put sometimes put items in a maybe pile and then revisit them and say hey let's go back to this item are you sure you want to keep it and if she said no you know her her thought process or her thoughts towards that item might have changed after she has touched all the other items that she's sorting through All right, so while you're going through and sorting these items in these piles and you're keeping your treasured items, don't stage, don't take the time to stage the toys that you're keeping until everything is sorted through so you know exactly what you have to find homes for in your child's room. I do not recommend storing any of their toys outside of their bedroom. I'm not even a fan of playrooms or a toy room because It doesn't create a sense of ownership for your child. Her bedroom needs to contain her things. And let's just be honest. Playrooms are often just messy playgrounds that create even more stress for us moms. Am I right? Why do you do that to yourself? Don't don't give your child an, an entirely new room to store all of their toys in. Teach your child to live with little and they will learn to appreciate the few things they own and they will treat them with greater value. Think about this. Think of diamonds. Diamonds are valuable because they're what? Because they're rare. It's the same with children. They will treasure the little that they own because there's not an abundance for them to mistreat. They, they're There aren't any backup toys. So in case your child breaks something, there's nothing, there's not a backup for him to play with. I think about the one doll, like a child with one baby doll. What is she going to do with that one baby doll? She's going to tote it everywhere because it's treasured. It's valuable. She has that one doll. But if she has like 10 baby dolls, she's going to just like drag it by its arm or like, you know, she's going to change it out one one after another and she's not going to create a bond with that one baby doll. So think about creating rarity with your children. And also when a child breaks something, don't be so quick to run out to replace it. Let your children go through the all the emotions of grieving because you're teaching your children 
valuable lessons of grieving in the future because all humans eventually have to grieve. So if your child breaks something, allow them to go through the emotions of grieving the loss of that item that they broke. Don't just run out and fix the situation and replace it. Wow, that's a really good lesson. I, you know, I'm just going to let that sit in and soak in for you just, just right there. All right, so the third pile is your transfer pile. The transfer pile is going to be your donation pile. And this is going to be any of the toys that don't end up in the trash and that aren't your treasured or to your treasured toys to keep. These are going to be toys that can be donated for another child to enjoy. So use that, that thought of another child is going to hold this and own it and use that to teach your child and to talk with them through this process and through their decision making and reminding them how how little they actually play with this item to begin with and how they probably haven't paid any attention in the last year or so and how this child could potentially cause bring joy to another child because it's going to be new to them think about have them relive the moment that they got this this toy or this gift and tell them that that's how this other child that receives this toy is going to feel when they pass it on and this child, this toy isn't, I like to personify toys. <laughs> and I always say that toys are sad when they don't get any attention. Um, this is why when I was little, I had a shelf of stuffed animals that my dad created in my bedroom and it was above my windows. You probably had a sh- similar self shelf yourself as a child. And I loved stuffed animals. I felt like stuffed animals had personalities and they you know, kind of like Toy Story, when you left the room, they would all do have fun parties and stuff. And so whenever I got a new stuffed animal, and I know this sounds really weird and bizarre, but whenever I got a new stuffed animal, I would pull all of my stuffed animals off the shelf and I would introduce the new stuffed animal to the rest of the crew. (laughs) And I, because I didn't want any of my stuffed animals to feel left out. And so I always say that, that toys are sad when they don't, they're not given attention to. So we should pass on toys to other children so that they can give the right amount of attention to these toys. So use that if you think your child would respond to that little story. (laughs) All right. Now stage number or step number three in this process. So you've gone, you've pulled everything out, you've sorted through everything. And now step number three is going to be to stage these toys. Stage them means to place them around your child's room and give each item a home and to have your teach your child how to maintain them. So when you help your child designate a home or a place for each of her toys or each of his toys, he is going to be it's going to be easier for him to return these items to their proper home when it's time to clean up and it's going to make maintenance a lot easier for him also for you because he's going to be responsible for his own room. He's going to be responsible for the upkeep and the maintenance of his bedroom. And none of his toys are going to be anywhere else in his ha- in his room. Now, I always say that, like I, I used to have a friend that she wouldn't allow her children to bring toys to other parts of their house. I'm not strict like that. I say, yes, bring your toy out of your bedroom and play with it in, you know, the common area of the home. But always return your your toy back to its proper place, definitely by nighttime, 
because I always like to do our nightly reset and start with a fresh home in the morning. So if you bring a toy out, then make sure when you before you go to bed at night that all your toys are returned back to their home for sleep that night because your toys need to go to sleep and they need to rest. <laughs> all right, so number step number three is to stage your toys. Now, how I like to stage toys, I personally do not like bins. I don't like bins and I don't like toy boxes. I am a big fan of shelves and Marie Montessori is a big fan of shelves as well. If you've ever studied her techniques or her her theories on how to teach and train children. I love open shelves for kids' toys. Plus, kids don't really need a lot to begin with. You know, they really don't. They do so well with so little. But having just some open shelves where they can see all of their toys is a really good idea. Because Each toy is set up on the shelf just like they would see it in the department store. Kids love going to department stores. Don't they? They walk through the the aisles and they get so excited to see these toys and play with them. It's the same idea of staging their toys on open shelves because it creates this sense of value in these toys. When toys are not valuable when you just throw them in boxes and bins and toy boxes. you, You know that... You know that sense that you have that that's that's a just just throw them in there. It just doesn't create this sense of value and worth. And that's what you're trying to instill. All of this is training your children and instilling instilling in them great characteristics that they're going to take into adulthood. So you're t- teaching them to value their things that everything has worth and everything has a place and needs to be returned back to the place. So, that being said, Invest in some open shelving for your child. I know for my own boys that on in their bedroom, they have this simple little shelf. And on the two bottom shelves, they have books because that's one of their favorite things is to read. And so we provide a lot of books for them. And then on the next two, two or three shelves, I don't know how many they have, they have all of their toys, their little figurines and their Lego sets that they've created. They have them just set out and stored on those shelves. And then their stuffed animals are on top of their shelves. And I just think it creates, it really encourages children to play with their toys when they can see them. It also encourages them to place their toys back in their homes because they know exactly where that toy belongs. So invest in some open shelving for your child and really limit the amount of toys to those shelves. I don't personally like toys to sit on the floor. Now I know if you have younger children, like babies, like one to five years old, you have the bigger toys that are like floor toys and you might find them to rest better on the floor. But if you're like me, you're just over toys. And if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably just over it. So take this time and this opportunity to say, oh, no, that doesn't fit on the shelf. Let's let's see if we can find somebody who would appreciate this toy that fits in their room or in their space. So that's just my ideas as far as how you should store and manage your toys to create a space that is more welcoming for your child and that they can actually enjoy. Now, I really believe in keeping all of your toys, their toys visible and on open open shelving. Now, you can utilize their closet, but I just feel like when you, the, the closet is just meant for 
keeping their clothes. And if you do utilize their closet, then try to have open shelving in there as well. And store in the closet toys that aren't used on a daily basis or that you don't want them to use on a daily basis. This would be things like board games if they're rarely used. So rarely used toys would go in the closet on open shelving. More frequently used toys are going to be outside in their bedroom on open shelving. All right, friends, let's go back over those three steps for decluttering your child's bedroom. And I hope this has gotten you and your child excited about tackling their bedroom right before the holidays to give some open space and some room for them to welcome in new toys and to be a little bit more spacious and refreshed this holiday season. All right, step number one is to first prepare yourself for decluttering. This involves knowing what your goal is, setting up a time and some accountability to follow through with this decluttering session and deciding if you are going to involve your child in this process or if you're going to arrange for a babysitter. Step number two is to execute. You're going to first start with a cleared off workspace and then gather up all the toys throughout the entire house onto this workspace and then sort the toys into three different sections, a trash pile, a treasure pile, and a transfer pile making these decisions with or without your child along the way. And then step number three is to stage your items on or stage the toys on open shelving where it is useful and purposeful and meaningful for your child and then teaching your child how to maintain his or her possessions. All right, so I hope this whole process, I know it ended up not being a straightforward tip or task for you and I kind of gave you a little bit more fluff than I usually give you on a no fluff Friday but I really I really want to impress upon you to teach your child and to train them up how to look at things and how to instill value in them from a very early age so that they're not having to undo undo things that they learned and habits that they created when they were first children. So I really wanted to share with you my heart behind decluttering for your decluttering toys and teaching your children how to declutter and how to continue to declutter throughout their entire life. It's really, really important for me to focus on that for you and to help bring that awareness to you. All right. So I told you that I have a little bit of announcement to make. First of all, I have a service that I'm providing for you and I'm launching for you December 1st. So it is this week, this Wednesday, so we were super excited about it. It is called Habit 30. And what it is, is you will subscribe to help you achieve a habit. And like I said, accountability is something that we all need to be able to achieve these new habits and these new goals that we have. It's the thing, it's the missing piece and the missing element that a lot of people have when they start goal setting is that they don't have a little bit of skin in the game to help them be more accountable. So this habit 30, what it is going to be, you are going to be able to pick from a small list of habits that you want to start doing, whether it's one of the the very first habits that I want to train you to do is to reset your kitchen at night. Going to bed with a completely cleared off sink or cleared out sink, cleared off counters at night. And so if you signed up for that particular habit that you want to create, you're going to go to my website 
and sign up for this habit for 30 days because they say that it takes 30 days or 21 days to create a habit. We're just going to call it Habit 30 because I love the idea of you signing up and doing this habit creating this habit after 30 days. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to partner with you. And after you sign up for it, you are going to get a text check-in from me every single day. I'm going to respond during the week to help you be more accountable and to follow through with that habit. I'm super excited to be able to provide this for you. Whoever needs this kind of accountability, um, a little bit more one-on-one accountability that's super affordable and that's going to help you kind of like kickstart your process of revamping and systemizing your life. All right, so that's going to be the service that I'm starting December 1st. And you can get signed up for that on my website at habitsandhome.com slash habit30, or you can look in the show notes and click on the link. And I am so excited to bring that to you on Wednesday along with a new episode. I'll see you then.